0: first-time executive director at a newly established nonprofit, and before we start fundraising for our programs, I'd like to make sure I understand nonprofit finances. Everything I research online feels overwhelming. There is so much information on this topic, and I'm looking for more of a summary version of the stuff I need to know versus the whole encyclopedia of info on everything finance. How should I get started with understanding nonprofit finances?
1: <laughs> well,
0: you are in the, you were doing the right thing by asking this question since we have the finance guru as one of the co-hosts.
1: So I think I think the internet is probably the worst place to try to find nonprofit finance info because it's so scattershot and a lot of it is bad. and um, it's because it's people that are trying to sell you consulting services, they want you to sign up for their whatever, and so they give you like a little teaser and or it's a law firm that has like one of the partners is required to blog every once in a while. So they pick a topic and they blog on it. So you just get this little random scattershot. So I can, I totally get it. If that's the source that you were looking for to try to get a sense of what nonprofit finance is supposed to be, you <laughs> just like, forget it. That's impossible. I would start with a book. I would go to Amazon. I, I'll put a couple of book recommendations in the show notes on nonprofiteverything.com right? I think. NonprofitEverything.com. Check that out. I'll put that in the show notes, but that's a good place to start because it really does sort of walk you through. Here's what you need to know. So I would start with a book. The other thing I would do is if you have, if you're big enough and you, it sounds like you're probably not because it's a newly established nonprofit. If you have a bookkeeper or an accounting firm or somebody that's helping you with this, especially because you're the executive director, one of the things you're paying them for is to help educate you on what you need to know. So talk to your bookkeeper, talk to the accounting firm that's helping you out with the bookkeeping and finance side. If you have that and say, I, I don't feel like I know enough about how this works. And I'd really like to be pointed in the direction of some education. And a lot of the accounting firms and bookkeepers are like, oh yeah, absolutely. Let me, you know, I can walk you through it. We can schedule some time together and they can explain to you what you, what you kind of need to know. I would do that too, because then you kind of get that personal one-on-one. It's not it's not reading a manual about how to use something. It could be easier that
0: way. I don't know if you, have you ever checked out the nonprofit finance fund, Andy?
1: Yes, I have.
0: And do you, thumbs up, thumbs down.
1: Uh, there's good, again, there's good information, okay. right? There's good information, but you have to dig it all out. Okay. So it's okay. not, I mean, uh, the reason I like books is because they're really written to like from the from the front cover to the back cover, that's the topic and it's all in there and it's in order and there's an index. So if somebody says- donor restrictions, you're like, I think I need to know more about donor restrictions. You can look up donor restrictions and then get to that section of the book. And it's in context with everything else. And it's written from the perspective of, I would like to teach you something about this topic and not, hey, come buy stuff from me, which a lot of the other ones are.
0: I've also um, had a lot of clients and others who have uh, actually taken like some of the continuing ed courses at different universities mm-hmm. right that actually specialize and they bring in experts or CPAs or people like you that you know know your stuff that that teach on whatever topic and you can even get maybe sort of a whole credential around the finance nonprofit finance side so you might check out that too depending on where you live nonprofit
2: governance nonprofit answers nonprofit board nonprofit management nonprofit marketing nonprofit resources
1: the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits presents
2: Nonprofit Everything, the podcast about everything nonprofit with your host, Andy Shurek and Stacy Wedding.
1: Welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Everything. I'm Andy Schurrock. I'm here with my fantastic co-host, Stacy Wedding, and we're here today to answer all of your nonprofit questions. So the way the podcast works is you send us questions. You send them on Facebook, Twitter, via email, uh, to the Nonprofit Everything website. Uh, we've got a phone number. You can send us a voicemail and go old school, as Stacy likes to say. And um, this week, interestingly, we have all finance questions. So usually we try to mix it up a little bit, a little bit of HR stuff, a little bit of board training stuff, a little bit of um, just sort of leadership kinds of questions. This time, all of the questions we got or that we're answering this episode are all finance related things. So if this is the kind of thing that you think is cool, great uh happy to have you if you find this kind of stuff excruciating maybe take a couple of weeks off and we'll see you in a couple of weeks and and maybe we'll have a little bit more variety Uh, we've got um, a guest expert jessica sales from hrc she's going to answer a a very technical in-kind question and uh, another one about learning nonprofit finance from from the get-go that's another one we've got this week so it's a hundred percent finance episode this week Uh, Thanks for joining us. Again, this is a production of the Alliance for Nevada Nonprofits, and we're happy you're here. And um, we'll just jump right in.
0: Hey, everybody, it's Stacey Wedding here, and I have got special guest Jessica Sales with Holdsworth Russo and Company
2: with me today. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited
0: to have Jessica here and anyone who is a finance expert, finance guru, uh, is top notch in my book because that is not my area of strength. And, uh, we got, we got a question that we needed some, some help on. Even my co-host Andy needed some help. Usually th- questions don't stump him, but this one did. So we're so grateful to have Jessica sharing her expertise with us. But to kick us off, Jessica, will you just share with us a little bit about about your background in HRC?
2: Absolutely. So I'm the managing principal at HRC. We've been around for the past 25 years. We were founded in 1996, and we service about 200 nonprofit clients between Southern Nevada Northern Nevada and Colorado.
0: Awesome. Well, we certainly uh, are, are excited to have you on. So with no further ado, here is the question. We are beginning to include in-kind donations on our 990. However, I want to make sure I am counting eligible in-kind because some of them seem like in-kind services, which I know cannot be included. The first is transportation from the local board of education. They expend approximately $30,000 of their transportation budget annually on our program in paying for drivers, gas, buses, etc. Although we are receiving a service rather than a physical item, The county is spending actual money on the contracted drivers to support our program, so it seems like it should be eligible to count on our 990. The second in-kind donation in question is the donation of meals for our students. The Board of Ed also donates breakfast and lunch for all of our students throughout the summer. However, this food donation is covered by USDA granting, so would this not qualify as an in-kind donation since it is funded by a grant?
2: Ooh, that's Those are multiple <laughs> questions, aren't they? Yes, yes, there's there's a few in there. So first of all, I'm, I'm really impressed that whomever submitted this question knows that in-kind services should not be included on the Form 990. Most uh, nonprofits do not realize that only goods can be included on that Form 990. And that's often a reconciling difference if you have an audited financial to your Form 990. So we'll start with the first portion of the question which is on the transportation on the instructions to the form 990 you are specifically to exclude donated donated services or the donated use of materials equipment or facilities so to me that this would qu- count as the donated use of equipment of of those tran- of that transportation Even though the Board of Education is spending money to provide this service to you, you as the nonprofit are receiving a donated service that should not be included on the Form 990. So no matter how the the grantor, the donor is paying for the service, because everything has a cost, nothing is free at some point, to you, the recipient organization, this is a donated service.
0: So if I'm understanding correctly, Jessica, so it really comes down to sometimes people think about, as you said, the donor, the grantor, where it's initiating, but that is mm-hmm. not for them to worry about. That is Correct. for that donor or grantor to worry about. Um, Correct. So, so perhaps then the the Board of Education, I, I don't know enough about this, but
2: they may handle that differently on their end than what the receiving nonprofit Correct, correct. So they still have an expense that they're incurring on their books. There's still the cost of the gas, of the driver, of the maintenance of the vehicles. That's all their expense. And that's fine. And that might be what they include to you when they tell you how much they've donated to you. And you should record that on your regular books. But on your 990, that should be excluded as donated services for that transportation.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you. You just taught me something. Well, it, it, <laughs> well good. I, I I'm like a sponge when it comes to
2: finance. So <laughs> that's the point of this podcast, isn't it? So we'll move on to the second portion of the question. And I think it um, again, without knowing any more context, it really depends on who received that USDA granting. So the question was the meals are paid for by a grant by the USDA and they are donated by the Board of Education. So it's it's two different things there, and depending on and how this works, it would be um, how it's recorded. So if the Board of Education receives the USDA grant, the Board of Education uses that grant funding to purchase meals that is then donated to the recipient organization who uses them in their summer program, that's a donated good. Those meals are good. You can touch them, you can literally eat them, they're a good those meals are a donated good and I would include them on the form 990 so again if that was USDA gave money to board of education board of education purchased meals gave those meals to recipient organization that last step that recipient organization would have a donated good it's a little confusing on how the question is written because it, it may appear to me that the recipient organization also receives USDA funding for food if that's the case the USDA funding for food would not be an in-kind. Anything purchased with that grant would not be an in-kind good. That would just be a good that was purchased and used in the program. And if separately they supplement that program with donations from the Board of Education, it would still be a donated good from the Board of Education. So in this case, I think either way, the Board of Education, what they're giving to the recipient organization is a donated good. And then however that's funded, Again, once again, by the Board of Education, however they got the money, however they spent it, that's a separate reporting issue than how our recipient organization received and subsequently recorded the goods.
0: And so the difference being the first one would not yet you know, it would be tracked internally on internal financials but not on the 990 but it sounds like on this second one with the actual good it would correct. be tracked
2: internally as well as the 990. correct correct so the transportation was a service but those meals are really a good okay okay that's really helpful
0: um, you know this is a, a question that isn't written to, you know no one gets sent us, but I think that any of our nonprofit listeners would probably appreciate it. Um, what advice do you have um what are you seeing right now trends with with nonprofits uh, with what's going on in just their financial
2: worlds? Oh my yes. <laughs> So in terms of um, not maybe necessarily in kind donations, although those got, have gone up pretty significantly in 2020, you know, the, the pandemic provided an opportunity for a lot of individuals to give more than they have in the past, which is a little bit surprising. So a lot of donated goods, masks, food supplies uh, to feed some of these pantries uh, and, and just straight cash from the public. But also there's been an overwhelming amount of support from the federal government. And so... That's something that we've seen. A lot of nonprofits are, were unfamiliar with federal grant monies before, and now they may be sitting on hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in federal grant money and making sure they understand the compliance requirements that go with all of that. And then subsequently, the potential audit ramifications. If you spend more than $750,000 in federal money in your fiscal year, you are subject most likely to a single audit, which is an audit over not just your financial statements, but also that grant funding, how you spent it, how you know you spent it in the right places. And that's catching a lot of nonprofits and for-profit entities off guard. So
0: do you think that, is that a service that nonprofits can find out there to help them navigate these waters, especially when they've never had
2: to undergo a single audit? So my suggestion is if, you, if you're if you listening to this podcast, you have a friend that you know about this, and this sounds like you, you're saying, oh my, I have $750,000 or more that I spent in federal money, you should reach out to your accountant right away. So whoever's already helping you with your 990, whoever's already doing your audit, reach out to them right away. They may or may not be able to provide this extra single audit, this audit over your federal funds but they certainly will have a recommendation for you, for someone who does. And if you're working on your own 990, maybe you were very, very small before and all of a sudden you have hundreds of thousands of dollars. I'm sure you, Stacey and Andy, can can have referrals out there. I am happy to help and talk to anyone I can. Um, I know that Andy and I are both involved in some organizations that provide this training free of charge for a lot of nonprofits just to help understand the, the ramifications and and the benefits i don't want to make it all sound bad of receiving federal money like this
0: i do though i do want to caution though you're you're very kind about saying you don't want to make it all sound bad but i i do want to just say (laughs) please like please do this carefully like like if you're an organization who's never gotten this federal money there, you know there's a reason that a lot of people are reluctant to accept federal money because there's a lot of strings attached and there is a lot of work involved and so do you have the capacity it's it's sort of that 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 short term win versus kind of the long term sustainability and i of of being able to manage all of that and what it does to your organization right i i don't know if this keeps you up at night like it does me jessica but i am worried about this influx of government money right now and what that does to an organization's trajectory in the short term and the long yes.
2: term. Uh, yes. And so on the short term, you know, this there's, as I said, millions. Well, there's billions on the federal level, trillions on the federal level that has trickled down to each of the states. Nevada has a very large portion of that as well that has now gone into the hands of many, many different nonprofit organizations. Some I've talked to that were running maybe 10, 15, $20,000 budgets before and now have a million dollars in federal money. And so when you are a one-person shop that, that worked out of the kindness of your heart and now you are a million-dollar organization, but potentially only a million-dollar organization for a year or two or three because this is short-term funding, yes, what does that do to your very short-term infrastructure? Can you support the compliance that goes with that? There is an administrative cost, whether it be time or money or both, to ensuring compliance with these programs. And so... Uh, If you've already accepted it, you've already spent it, welcome, you know, there are resources out there to get you through. But if you're considering that money and accepting additional federal monies, just be aware that there is is this asterisk that goes on the end of federal money, that there is a lot more required in the administrative side, the accounting, the auditing, uh, the record keeping and compliance than most organizations are used to
0: wise advice from a wise woman. So thank you, Jessica, for being with us and sharing your knowledge. I know you are a busy, busy lady, and we really appreciate you taking some time today to, to share your, your expertise with our
2: listeners. Well, thank you so much for having me.
1: So, if you've listened to every single one of our podcast episodes, this one will, you will notice that this one's a rerun, but it was so long ago that I'm guessing no one remembers it anyway. This is from episode 13, and it really is sort of the follow on to the question that Jessica and Stacy just talked about. Um, with the concept of like federal grants when you're getting this money and it could be a reimbursement grant. So how do you manage that? So the question was about how do you deal with uh, cash flow problems that may arise from federal grants? It's from episode 13 and uh, here you go.
0: like to know what factors you, sh- you should look at to try to project cash flow recently my issue has been that the money is promised but we have government grants that are based on them reimbursing us after we've spent the funds mm. then they are slow and I'm short on cash flow
1: those are the worst and that you know it's- I hate to tell people that, but that's the, the worst part about giving getting government grants is so many of them are effectively contracts Absolutely, and they're going to pay you after you've proven to them that the work is done, which is if, if you tried to run, um, someone wanted to run their business like that, they would go out of money. They would go out of business so fast. You just run out of money right. because it's a terrible thing. And the the more work you do, the better you do it, the faster you do it, the more you spend, the more they have to pay you later. And they send their people to come and argue about every little technical Ugh, detail awful. that you did wrong and then end up paying you you know three quarters of what they originally promised and then get really grumpy about it it's, it, it's and then you have to pay for an expensive you know if you if you do enough of it then you have to have a, a special audit um, yeah. that Ugh. that's even more expensive and
0: um, breaking out in hives just as we're talking it's
1: so yes. ugly like government grants are like some people think you, know, you, you go to a board meeting board like well aren't there any government grants you just want to like like, maybe I'll just punch you in the face. Exactly. <laughs> Did you really just say that? <laughs> Do you want to be
0: in my shoes for a day? <laughs> I was like, yeah.
1: We're going to have to be way bigger and way more complicated before we even get there. Um, so, yeah. Um, project, so, yes, projecting cash flow is, is really just a matter of sitting down with a whiteboard or a piece of paper and trying to figure out when the money goes out and when the money comes back in. Um, government grants complicate that because the money all goes out first. Um, the, the good news about that is it gives you an opportunity to talk to other donors about, you know, look at all this good stuff we're doing. We're actually getting a bunch of money from the government, but they're jerks and they pay us in this really <laughs> weird way. Um, so so we would love to have some money up front. Um, so yeah, as, as far as putting the cash flow together, that's just the process. The process is knowing when it goes in and when it goes out. The hard part is trying to remember everything, right. um, especially – Especially if you don't keep perfect records, like if you keep really good records, you just look at last year and you say, "Here's kind of what happened, what came in." It's just like you do with your personal finances. Like my, I don't know, my car insurance surprises me every year. It's like December. I'm like, ah, car insurance, Ugh, like what? worst. I know. <laughs> and I, you know, and car I was,
0: registration. I remember. Any of that stuff. I, I know. It's been
1: the exact same way since I was 18. <laughs> um, I don't know why it surprises me now. Mental and, block. <laughs> yeah, Let's block it out. Um, so, so that's the, if you can go through and keeping track of those things and figuring out when the money comes out. Um, and then you want to make sure that um, if there are negative numbers, so you 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 have to figure out sort of generally you pay your bill, you, you put it together monthly. So, so you do 12 periods. And if any one of those periods, the number at the bottom is negative, which means you have to spend more than you've got in your account plus what you're bringing in. There are a couple options. One is to try to find donors that will help you with that. Another one is to talk to a bank because a bank will give you a loan, a short-term loan. Um, they call it a line of credit. And pretty much all nonprofits, if you're if you're big enough to even be considering this problem, you need to talk to your bank about a line of credit. Absolutely. Um, many of them, because you're a nonprofit, if you're a good nonprofit and you're doing good work, you can get a line of credit that doesn't actually cost you anything to open. Um, So if if your banker tells you that's not the case, keep talking to other bankers because there's lots of them and somebody will finally go, you know what, we can do that for you. So what it does is it provides, you know, say you say as you're looking at this, you're going to spend a half a million dollars um, out of your own pocket to get this government program that you're not going to actually get funded for six months later. So as you look at the numbers and one of those dips and it dips to, you know, $125,000, you might open a line of credit for $200,000. You pay interest on it. The interesting thing about that is that that interest can actually be considered something that you can get reimbursed for. Um, that can be part of your overhead because you have to do through it. The government through the government grant? Government oh, okay. You can actually, That's great. You can actually make sure that you're including that because if you didn't, I mean, technically, if you didn't have that government grant, you wouldn't actually have to go in the hole, which means you wouldn't have to have a line of credit. Absolutely. So that interest payment can be part of that. Just make sure that you've got it baked in and that you've asked permission, you know, always ask permits. And the, you know, the, the old adage is never ask permission, only ask forgiveness. Right. It <laughs> is It's the absolute opposite when it comes to government grants. You have to ask permission Absolutely. before you spend the money. If you spend it and then ask permission, they're going to say, no, you already did it. Yeah. So you actually have to ask first make sure that it's totally okay make sure it's totally documented and then make sure that you put it in properly um so so you can get a line of credit that'll kind of help you float you pay interest on that you pay it back once the money comes in the bank's happy the government's happy you're happy and you're done
0: i actually think a cash flow analysis i don't a lot of nonprofits. i don't you know at least small ones right struggle with this um i don't think there's always enough they don't there's not enough hours in the day to do everything they need to do. So that obviously gets put on the back burner and that's when they run into problems. Probably not the ones that are dealing with government grants, but still, I love the idea of mapping out, like you said, on a whiteboard, sort of what does the year look like? And okay, we're having a fundraiser, fundraising event this month. What do we project that is going to come in? You know, and when, when is it all going to come in? And, and I think that um, it's a good planning tool, um, right? That sort of supports and goes in line with if you do have a strategic plan or sort of your plan for the year of what you're what you're going to do. So I think it's a cool opportunity to even educate other staff. Like sit down and you know. Maybe it's a staff meeting because I don't think staff and others always appreciate all the ins and outs of this kind of stuff and realize why you as the ED or the person in charge of finance or whomever, wherever you sit on the org chart, right? What What's keeping you up at night? And I mean, it's 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 really kind of a learning experience, I think, which is super cool. I know I went through it once and I was like, wow, like I learned so much here that I didn't know before just understanding all the nuances of when money comes in and goes out and why we need a constant, you know, is there a way to have a constant revenue stream?
1: Yeah. So there's one thing that you touched on that, that I think trips up a lot of people too is so you're having an event, um, how much you're going to bring in Yeah. and and you don't know, like you you can look at what happened last year, but this year might be different. You know, you didn't last year you had Michael Buble headlining (laughs) this year. You have like a guy that does tricks with a dog. Um, So you don't know that you might have the same number of people coming. (laughs) Um, so so those kinds of things are really complicated to try to put together. There, there are two tricks that I think everybody should use when they're putting together a projection like that, so, especially for fundraising. Um, one is to like, put a likelihood on every single gift that you're putting in. So if, if you, th- you think there's a 75% chance of getting to $100,000, you just multiply those two things together and you get 75000 and that, that gives you sort of a weighted average of all of the revenue that's coming in. Uh, if that doesn't make sense, I'll maybe put up an example that you can click to a link that you can talk, you can actually understand that without me just trying to babble <laughs> about it. Um, the second thing you can do that, that sort of strengthens those percentages and those amounts is get as many brands in the room as you can to kind of hash those out. So if it's one person making it up, um, you're going to be close. If you've got everybody in the organization talking about, like I think the percentage is 60%, I think the percentage is 80%. And once you've kind of haggled it down to where you think it belongs, um, that's going to be way more clo- way closer right. to the actual number that you're going to end up with. It's sort of the wisdom of crowds. It's sort of mathematically it. proven years and years and years that, that the more people try to come up with a likelihood of something happening, if you get a lot of people together, they usually come up with a number that's very, very close. So you don't have to worry about like, what do we think?
0: And that doesn't weigh all on your shoulders too, yeah, right? It's yeah. not, yeah. The more,
1: if you get all your board members together to sit down to go through this process, first of all, it's a fun thing to, to get your board members to say like, okay, so who can I ask for money? Right. I think I can get $1,000 out of this person. So what's the likelihood? A uh, 50% chance of getting $1,000. Put them down for 500 bucks.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So so that's that's one interesting way to do it, to be able to come up with those, those revenue numbers that aren't like, we're definitely getting this. And
0: there's a more formal t- um, term for this. You may know it, Andy, and I'm losing it right now, but- some people do, you know, don't even look. We talked about donors helping fill in the gaps. But you could also go to a donor and say, I need an interest-free loan from you, right? Like, that's what the request is. And I'll pay. we'll pay you back when mm-hmm. we get the money. But, like, we need to figure out, like, what is the – can we set up an arrangement like that, that you're like our interest-free bank to some degree while we're waiting for some of these gaps? So it's not an outright donation, but it still helps you through
1: the tough times. Yeah, absolutely. Foundations can do that, too. They're called program-related investments. Yeah. Sometimes they – Abbreviated as PRI, PRI, just to make yeah. it more complicated, right? Um, so, so a foundation might be able to help you with that too. Is they you know they could give you two million dollars and you're paying two percent interest on that two million dollars, um, whereas a bank would be a higher interest rate. And, and they're they're fulfilling their mission by providing that capital to you because they're a foundation. They need to do those kinds of things. They considered a program related investment. It's kosher for them. Um, everybody wins.
0: And then final thought on this and this is coming and i want you to push back andy if i'm just sort of being way too conservative with it but i'm more of a i take more of a conservative approach with everything with money so i feel like from a cash flow standpoint you do your best to try to be accurate and yet i still think being a bit conservative is probably on the safer side is is that fair or would you push back and say no don't be like conservative meaning you know i'm i'm not You know, if I really think I'm going to bring in 80,000 and I have a lot of math to it, I might, I might say, okay, 70 or 75, just to give myself a little cushion in case that doesn't happen. Is that, is that even the right thing to do? Or would you say no? Really bad idea, Stacey? I
1: I think, I mean, this is a great question for a development person, but I think in my experience, a former CFO experience working with development people, they are sort of inherently, um, realistic. So I do not say conservative, I say they're realistic. So they don't, you know, every once in a while you get somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and they come in and they're like, we're going to raise a jillion dollars. (laughs) And so you know that that person's wrong. But most of the time, um, if they say, I think I can get, you know, I've got a 75% chance of getting $100,000 out of those people, those people, they're usually right Yeah, um, because they're They've done it for a long time. They kind of have a sense of, of what the answer is going to be. I mean, sometimes you miss, but then that's the whole point of using those percentages. It's like, True. you know, we here's one that we didn't expect at all. Um, I, I don't know, my, maybe I've been lucky, but in my experience, like, they've always been really accurate. Like, development folks are really accurate, not high, not low. Like, you miss, every time you miss a little right, bit. Of you course. miss a little bit high, a little bit low, but nobody's ever just, like, wildly wrong.
0: Well, because in an ideal world, right, they've primed the pump to the point where they should know what the donor is capable of giving and will give. So, yeah, good point.
1: thanks for joining us today for another episode of Nonprofit Everything. Again, this runs on your questions. So if something we talked about today sparked your interest and you've got some more questions on what we talked about, or you just have other nonprofit topics you'd like us to talk about and are sick and tired of talking about finance topics, let us know. Uh, You can email it to us. You can send us, uh, you can go to the Nonprofit Everything webpage and uh, contact us there, Facebook, Twitter, any way you want to get to us. We'd love to get those questions from you. And with that, we'll see you in a couple of weeks.